as I share this, remember, this was written by a shepherd. And this is what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are uh, continuing our uh, series here of Psalms that I think uh, many of them are familiar with, we are familiar with, but this one especially is probably the most well-known, famous psalm in the world. And uh, many of you probably have memorized it. And uh, it will stick with you the rest of your life. Uh, Those words are comforting to many, many people. Not only in our time and generation, but for generations upon generations of believers have turned to that psalm as a comfort and as an understanding that we are sheep and we need and we have a shepherd. This Psalm 23 actually uh, divides into two separate pieces, parts. The, The first part is focused on the shepherd himself. And the David, the one who wrote this, and as Katie uh, recited it for us, was talking about him, the shepherd. And it's a sheep to shepherd um, relationship. In other words, the sheep is acknowledging the shepherd. And so the sheep says, he is my shepherd. Whereas then, as we go through, it says, he makes me to lie down. He leads me. He restores me. And then we come to verse 4, talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, we've had that experience here in these last few weeks of this among those who are passing away. And for those who are believers, that is a shadow, not a condemnation or a condition that should and could last forever. In fact, as we've talked in in past messages, death is 
to us who believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ is a door in which we walk through into the reality of eternal life. We're already, as believers in Jesus Christ, experiencing eternal life by the fact that our sins are forgiven. The weight of death is not on us. But yet we see the effects. Yes, I'm growing old. And I may be demented soon. My, my wife thinks, honey, I'm worried about you. Well, she's not as worried as I am about me. Nonetheless, verse 4 trans- transitions through into another perspective, and that is of saying, you, Lord, are the, are the one who, because of you, I will fear no evil. You prepare a table. You anoint my head. I will dwell in the light, uh, house of the Lord forever. And the focus is directly to him as a psalm of praise to him. And so I'm going to cover this in two sermons. So the first will be then looking at the shepherd and understanding who he is and, in fact, who we are. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. (laughs) Daniel knows I'm going to call him. What does Aunt Katie have on her bed, on our bed? A lamb. (laughs) In fact, she's got several lambs on our bed. And every time I have to go to, or when I go to bed, if I get there before she does, I have to move, okay, guys, over to your side of the bed. (laughs) Lions and lambs are Katie's favorite dolls. We saw a big, huge, huge bear, teddy bear, at Costco recently. And I said, honey, I'll get you one of those. But I didn't because I was afraid she'd take it to bed with her. (laughs) She does not like teddy bears. She thinks, it's ridiculous. Who would ever like a a bear? Not that, it's what they represent. Okay. Yes, I know that. (laughs) She has to protect herself from me. This is speaking of a the sheep is speaking of the shepherd. It's a trust relationship. I shall not want. Those of you who are free to to say that about the shepherd, would you say it with me? I will not want. Let's say it again. I will not want. You know, I've heard that the Lord will, and even your mom and dad have said this probably, the the Lord will only give you what you need, not what you want. But this one says, I will not want. And the reason for that is that All the satisfaction, all of the things that I truly need as a person, 
are found in the shepherd. That's what it means for a sheep to be a sheep. That's probably, David probably realized this, but I'm just beginning to understand this. Of all the animals in the world, a sheep is probably the most dependent upon the shepherd for food, for water, for protection, for all those things that the sheep needs. That's the nature of a sheep and shepherd relationship. And so because of that, David states, the Lord is my shepherd. And I don't need anything else because I'm a sheep. And he provides for me. And I think that's what the Sakurai family are experiencing. These last two years that they've come to Japan to, to minister to their mother and father. That's what Setsuko and Todd are experiencing right this week. They shall not want. That's where we need to learn how to live in, in a dependent state with Jesus. We can't do our jobs. We can't do our what we're called upon to do, really, without his help, without his strength. Everything that we have comes from him. We say Jesus is our provider, but he's much more than just giving us things that we can enjoy. He's our very life. Even if you don't recognize him as your shepherd and your Lord, he is still caring for you. And the shame of it is that there's many, many people that don't understand how God has truly blessed them because he is a shepherd to us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone away from the shepherd and he is the one that can meet our souls and our bodies' needs more than anyone. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Your father. And Jesus knew the father better than we. And Jesus became the shepherd. And we became his sheep. And he knows us. And we have come to know him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I pondered over this statement for a long time. That is not the sheep that's on Katie's bed. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. What does that mean? And I looked at some com commentaries and I don't like to uh, go along with some commentaries simply because I'm a little bit of a rebel and I like to think my own thoughts. And so if this is way off the chart, uh, you can talk to me later. <laughs> Especially you, Dan, you can uh, 
Do we have talk back today? We don't. Okay. Good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It is a responsibility of a shepherd to care for the sheep. A sheep cannot provide for itself. And in fact, sheep that are not well taken uh, care of will eventually weaken, be diseased, and die because they need someone to care for them, to look for those green pastures, to in fact provide those green pastures for them. A good book that uh, we have read for many years in our family, in fact, we've turned it into a devotional book, is Philip Keller's uh, book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. How many of you have read that book? Okay. Um, should I go online again and get some more books here? For <laughs> By the way, uh, there's one more book back there of uh, Sit, Walk, and Stand that we ordered. Uh, and uh, if you ordered one, or you did, okay, Shun, that's yours. Don't anyone take that book. That's, that's Shun's book. That'll be 500 yen for his shin. shin. Okay. But here's another good book. It's Philip Keller's a shepherd looks at Psalm 25. Oh, that's dementia. 23. <laughs> Psalm 23. Um, in fact, Katie and I know personally the daughter of Philip Keller. In fact, we've met Philip Keller. So, uh, dropping names here this morning. The implication of a uh, shepherd is that he is providing, and so because he is providing, this is the place that the sheep will feed. And so the word makes is this is all you get, or this is how much is all of yours. Because the shepherd provided it for you. You understand what I mean by makes? It's not like he's saying, come on, eat this grass. No, he's saying, this is what I have provided for you. Now you can lie down in the green pastures and enjoy what I've given you. Do you know Jesus that way? You know that he makes you lie down in green pastures? He does. If you recognize him, if you follow him, if you submit to him and his care for you. Another thing about making to lie down is that if a sheep, and I learned this from Phil Keller, if a sheep does not feel safe, they will not lie down. They'll stand all night or move around all night rather than lying down and resting. But if a sheep, a flock, understand that there's care and there's provision 
They don't, they're not hungry. They're not thirsty. The shepherd has provided for them. They can truly rest. And you know, that is the truth about Jesus Christ. Those of us who know him, that is where true rest is. Is in him. Because he makes us to lie down, to rest in who he is. That for us is one of the bennies, benefits of being a Christian, is knowing how to rest in him, in his provision. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now this leads is simply he goes ahead of them and leads them to the water. A, sh- a good shepherd researches out there and finds where the water is that the sheep may uh, quench their, their thirst. A sheep, this is another one out of uh, Psalm 23. Uh, shepherd looks at Psalm 23. Sheep will not drink from a rapid rushing uh, stream. There's a couple of reasons for that. For one thing, sheep cannot swim. In fact, getting around water is very dangerous for them. They're heavy wool coats. If they get into the water, they can drown and be carried down the stream and their life's gone. Instinctively, sheep are afraid of moving water. And so it has to be quiet water, still water. There's another reason for this, and that is that when they are drinking of the quiet, still water, they can see the bottom of the, of the water, that it's not that deep, and come up to it, but there's another thing, too, that's kind of, uh, and I didn't look up the Japanese word for this. There are little creatures in the water called, well, we call them blood suckers, but they're leeches. You know, do you know what those are? What, what is it in Japanese? Hiru? Hiru. Well, if you've ever, how, how many of you are from Minnesota or that part of the country? Come on, confess. Okay, yeah. okay, Michigan. That's good enough there. Okay. Anybody? What's that? Oh, okay. So you've been in those lakes in Michigan, and uh, and you go swimming. It's a nice hot summer day, and you come out, and here's this black thing on your skin. And what what is this? It's a leech, and if you leave it on too long, it will suck the blood. Out of your th- out through your skin. Is this hideous uh, for somebody? <laughs> You've had it happen. Yeah. How many have ha- had a leech on you? Oh, okay. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's terrible. First time it happened to me, I was scared to death. I was going to die. <laughs> and how am I going to get this thing off of me? And so leeches hook onto the nose or or whatever, of the, of the sheep, and can be dangerous for them. So he leads me beside still waters. 
And there are leeches that happen in our lives that suck the blood out of us, suck the energy out of us. And Jesus leads us to quiet waters where there's no danger and where there's no pestilence or those things that will sap our life. I love preaching uh, Psalm 23. Okay, here we go. I've got just a few minutes here. He restores my soul. Kitty and I looked at the pictures of these uh, sheep. Most of this week, that was what my study was, looking at pictures of sheep. (laughs) Okay, that's an exaggeration. But I thought, this one really reflects what this statement, he restores my soul, is all about. Okay, you would think... Okay, well, let me tell you what I think is in your mind when you hear, he restores my soul. You think it has to do with you're sitting by a fire in your living room with your feet up. It's been a busy day, and you're reading your favorite novel. And just relaxing, chilling hanging out. Maybe you're at Starbucks, just sipping your latte. Ah, I feel so restored. (laughs) He's restoring my soul. You know, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even know how to say Hebrew words. Didn't offer Hebrew when I was a kid. Well, they did, but I, not at the school I went to. They do now. But the Hebrew word actually means to turn back or turn around, to go the other way. Wait a minute now, what does this mean? Take a look at this guy, this sheep. He looks innocent enough but there's something going on in his head. You can just kind of see it the way he's standing there. That he's got another idea. And it's a better idea than the shepherd. <laughs> and he's looking to see, oh, that really looks good there. I'm going to go after that grass. It's got little, uh, those small little blueberries that grow in uh, New England real close to the ground. Oh, are those delicious. So the the ram goes over there. Well, the shepherd spots him taken off. And of course, some ewes, which is the word for, not you, but it's ewe, E-W-E, ewe, a female sheep. And maybe even some of the lambs would follow that ram over to a more dangerous remote place from, from the shepherd. And the shepherd has to go over there with his staff and give the uh, ram a jab in the ribs, get back over with the rest of the flock. So restoring is meaning turning back and coming back to where there is safety and the parameter of 
the shepherd's care. He restores my soul. Now that makes sense by the fact that the next statement is that he leads me in paths of righteousness. So he doesn't just leave us there in our sore ribs that when he hit us with a stick and brought us back. But he's leading us to a path of righteousness. And no pun intended, but the Japanese kanji again, there it is. The sheep over me. I am a sheep under a sheep. And when we're in that place, we're in righteousness. Aganai. That's what Jesus is for us. Brings us into true righteousness. Not just in being, oh, I'm a great kid. I'm a great person. No, it's that in my heart, my sins have been paid for. I have become a child of God by birth, adoption, into his family so that I become righteous. His righteousness. And what is it for? For his name's sake. That I would be a sheep who is a credit to the shepherd. That is what he's looking for from all of us. That we would give honor and praise to him, and not only to him, but to the Father who gave us the shepherd. We have become righteous because of his gift of a lamb being sacrificed on our behalf. John 10 says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. And I'm going to keep reading this. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. Jesus puts this in the context of he is the shepherd. John 10, that's what he's talking about. But he's the one that gives his life. And he gives his life, and for this reason, the father then, because he loves the son, then Jesus, being raised from the dead, becomes our eternal advocate. And for us here who remain, and those spreading throughout generations, as well as geographically around this globe, we then have become that other flock, so that we become one flock. And there are people today who are preaching messages that don't focus Christianity on this very fact. In fact, I was just uh, perusing a review of a well-known teacher that I think 
is kind of missing the point of what Jesus has done for us in our redemption. And is changing it, saying we really don't understand justification. And we're putting on Paul, the Apostle Paul, meaning that we have no right to put there in understanding what it means that we are justified in Jesus Christ. And it's by faith alone. So there are false teachers, as they were in Paul's time. But there's false teachers saying that we are false teachers because we're putting something on Paul that he didn't mean. But Paul was saying, be careful, be warned. There are false teachers. And there are false teachers today. Many, in fact. In fact, you know that that when Jesus said that in the end times there would be earthquakes, there would be wars, rumors of wars, and those things, look at it. More times than, than earthquakes and wars and famine and these kind of things, which scare us, he said, be careful, there are false teachers, there are deceivers. He mentions it four times, and he mentions war once, he mentions earthquakes once, he mentions pestilence once, but he says there are false teachers. Beware. I think he's talking about our day. When on the internet, on TV, the radio, books, books, books that are being written. And many of them, they're not worth the paper they're written on. I'm sorry. We are living in an age of delusion. And if you're not careful, you will be deluded. We need to know the shepherd and who he is and who we are in him. And that's why I'm taking the time and the energy and tears to convince you that what we have been studying here for this past year is the gospel throughout the scripture. And we have to receive it as it is written to us. Then we come to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I already said, it is a shadow. And it's a shadow to us who come to know that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And by his resurrection, we are assured of a bodily resurrection. This author I was referring to says, I don't know whether there's really a bodily resurrection or even a rapture. And he's a very well-known author. Watch out for him. I'll give you his name. He has some good things to say, but he also has some dangerous things to say. You know, when you're selling poison or uh, trying to poison someone, you don't say, here, can't I just put some poison here and drink it? You make it taste sweet or whatever, so it's drinkable. Duh, that is what it means 
when somebody is mixing some truth with error. N.T. Wright. Be careful of his teaching. And guys like him, they are so close to the truth that you think it's the truth. But if somebody says, we really don't understand Paul the Apostle, well, then let's just throw this book away. Let's just throw it away. Because if I don't understand it, why would I even try to mix You know, what is the truth then? Be careful of those kind of teachers. They're dangerous. I've never met him. I've never listened to him. In fact, I've never read read a book of his. But I've read quotations from those books. Be careful. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We talked about the rod. Aaron's rod, remember that? The one that budded? That was a very short rod. And that rod actually speaks of authority and power. Some rods, and I didn't find a picture of this, they're about yay long, but on the end is a big knot. It's taken from a tree with a knot on it. And it's made into kind of a a club. The rod is a comfort to the sheep, not in bonking them on the head. (laughs) Well, maybe that one ram that we saw, maybe he should have been bonked on the head, but I don't think the shepherd had that for that purpose. It was for the wolves and the uh, uh, animals that would come to try to steal a sheep and eat it. And that was what uh, the shepherd used to just get out of here, to protect the sheep from danger. The staff was used for comfort. And it meant that, like for instance, when the, sheep, when the shepherd was counting his sheep, going into the sheepfold, sometimes other shepherds shared the same enclosure. You know, Jesus said that the shepherd comes and calls them by the sheep by name, and he knows their voice, and they come out. Well, this is kind of like when you're putting them to bed for the night to be safe inside the rock, enclosure, they take their rod and the sheep, uh, the shaft, the staff, not the rod, the staff, and they swing it and counting as the sheep go into the enclosure. And when Jesus told that passage of uh, the one sheep out of a hundred that wasn't there in the counting, that's how he knew. Because as they passed through that narrow entrance, his his staff was their guide to go in for the night. And also, 
many uh, sheep uh, staffs, shepherd staffs, have a hook on them. And that hook was for if the uh, uh, a lamb or a sheep fell down uh, a cliff or whatever, that was to pull them up and pull them into uh, a safe place. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod, boy, my shepherd, he knows how to use a rod. I saw him kill a lion one day, so a sheep says, telling the little lamb, you be careful, those lions are out there. They'll get you. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Okay, my time is up. Let me read this, read this for you. In Revelation 7, 17. It's a uh, beautiful passage in, in uh, chapter 7 of Revelation. You can read it at home. This is what is being said in heaven. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night, talking about all those from many nations and tongues, tribes, Japanese and uh, Nigerian and, well, every nation, every tongue will be there before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall never hunger no more, neither thirst any more, the sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Wow, what a picture. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's our shepherd. That's the one, Jesus, who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lord Jesus, we do look to you as our shepherd, our good shepherd. The one who loved us and gave himself for us. We know that in your sacrifice and in your giving to us. We have just barely scratched the surface. We really need to learn more about you. And so we look, we lift our eyes to you as sheep to their shepherd. We want to know you more. We need you. We long, we long to be close to you. We love you. We all stand, please. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant 
equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.